Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each week I will tell you about a different weird animal fact. This week we have our Christmas episode. We'll be talking about a vibrant group of animals that emerges each year around December, so along with the pretty colors to match the holiday, their emergence right around Christmas time inspired their name. But first, a few updates. With the holidays around the corner, I'll be taking a couple weeks off of the podcast to be with family over the holidays. The podcast will be back the first full week of January, and I have some exciting new episodes planned for you, including a case of cannibalism in nature, a parasite that may have inspired the alien movies, and some reptiles with a unique way to get around. I'm also going to be working on getting the podcast on Spotify and working on spreading around a bit more. So have yourself a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and I'll be meeting you in 2022 with some exciting new things. And now for the Christmas episode, we are talking about Christmas beetles. Christmas beetles are scarab beetles, and while there are some other spectacularly shiny beetles that live in the area that are sometimes also referred to as Christmas beetles, True Christmas beetles belong to the genus Anoplegnathus. There are 35 known species, and they not only come in vibrant colors, but many of them are also having, or many of them also have a nice metallic iridescent sheen, making them quite shiny. In particular, the gold Christmas beetle, Anoplegnathus aureus, is named after its brass gold to gold metallic shiny color. There's also the green Christmas beetle, or the Granny Smith Christmas beetle, which comes in a bright apple green color. Even the beetles that come in shades of brown or tan have a, me- have a metallic iridescent shine to them, so even if they may not look too exciting, they're still shiny. Many of the Christmas beetles are around 1-2 to two centimeters, so right around half an inch, but the largest Christmas beetle, the King Christmas beetle, grows over three centimeters long, almost one and a half inches. Christmas beetles are found around Australia pretty much in areas that aren't desert. Many of them live in the eastern and northern region, with some in the west, but there are also still many in the southeast, so pretty much where there's not desert. Adults lay their eggs over summer in the grasslands, and then once the larvae hatch, they feed on organic matter and plant roots in the soil. The larvae live for one to two years, and then after that time, they pupate and then emerge as adults in summer, usually in November to December, but generally in that kind of December range of things. Some species emerge actually right in the weeks before Christmas, so really checking out that name there. And as an example of that, Anoplegnathus montanus often emerges in the week before Christmas, and I checked out the iNaturalist records to see recent sightings of these guys, and so far there have been 43 observations that people have recorded in the app, and most of those have actually really just been earlier this week, so that's the week of December 12th. Adult Christmas beetles like to feed on different species of eucalyptus trees, they eat the leaves, but some have also been recorded on different shrubby plants as well as some hibiscus. So now when the Christmas beetles emerge, they often emerge in very large numbers. I honestly couldn't find the actual numbers to kind of back that up, but everywhere said that they are very abundant when they emerge. Um, But as a general 
mental image for how many beetles there are, or perhaps just how much they like to eat, enough beetles emerge and descend upon trees that they are capable of, of almost completely defoliating the trees. In some preliminary feeding studies, Christmas beetles were found to be able to consume up to two-thirds of a tree's leaves within a 24-hour window. In one study I read, they did include some observed beetle numbers, and the paper was looking at selective herbivory by Christmas beetles in response to species variation in eucalyptus terpenoids, and terpenoids are some of the chemicals found in the leaves that can deter herbivory by insects. Since defoliation is a problem particularly for plantations, there are actually quite a few studies out there on different ways to minimize the number of trees that Christmas beetles chomp on, and a lot of those do focus on the terpenoids. So one of the trees included in this study, on just one tree, they observed 200 Christmas beetles, and altogether they defoliated that tree by 95%. So the tree was missing really almost all of its leaves. <laughs> Uh, more typical were numbers like 70 or 80 or even just 20 beetles, but still, that is quite a lot of beetles to have in one tree. They even recorded pretty small amount of beetles eating very impressive amounts of leaves, and while they don't mention the size of the tree, um, the same researchers recorded one tree that had only three beetles, but those three determined little beetles ate almost half of the leaves on that tree. So on all of these trees, the researchers found that over 90% of the beetles present were that um, A. montanus beetle, which actually has the common name of the duck-billed beetle. Um, and that's because it does have a little uh, structure on the nose that actually looks a lot like a duck-bill. It's pretty cute. Look at a picture of it. The duck-bill Christmas beetle is one of the most abundant Christmas beetles in southeast Australia, and as I mentioned, it actually is um, peaking around this time of year, and the study was timed for its peak, so I'm sure that is uh, part of its, or part of the reason it was so abundant for this, particularly during the duration of the study, but it is, uh, again, one of the most abundant Christmas beetles in southeast Australia, and is one of the main species responsible for defoliation of trees. So just thanks, eucalyptus trees are very mighty tasty. So with beetles that gather in such large numbers, you might think that they would cause widespread problems, especially since it's an animal from Australia. But as we know from last week's wombat episode, not all Australian animals are particularly dangerous or out to get you. Which, actually, quite on the contrary, Chris Christmas beetles are known to be very docile. I've seen some posts about them before from people in some of the ecology groups I'm in on Facebook, and people really like to handle and hold these the Christmas beetles, and most of the sites that I read for uh, researching this week uh, literally said that if a Christmas beetle lands on you, to just say hi to it and gently move it somewhere, and that they can be a great insect for kids to handle. You don't have to worry about them biting you or spraying you with acid or stinging you. They'll just chill on your hand until you move them somewhere else. So they're pretty chill little bug dudes. You would also think that with their capacity for defoliating trees, uh, this would cause widespread problems. And while it does cause problems in plantations, uh, for the most part, it doesn't sound generally like they cause grand health issues to most trees. Except for maybe in the cases where 200 beetles are descending on the tree, I would think that might cause some issues. 
Um, but overall, Christmas beetles are pretty selective about what leaves they like to eat. They prefer to eat mature leaves, so they will avoid uh, new growth and any leaves that they consider to be too old. So it's possible a tree could be a little bit stunted by losing a bunch of leaves, especially if there's 200 beetles on it, but they'll, they'll still have their growth shoots, so they'll still be able to continue growing. It may also not be surprising to hear that this high level of de defoliation may not have always uh, been the case, and the way that humans have altered the landscape has increased the grazing pressure on trees. Uh, clearing trees for pastures and agriculture creates larger areas that make, um, or larger areas for ideal habitat for the Christmas beetle larvae to develop, which also allow a larger number of larvae to survive and eventually emerge. But then, since trees have been cleared to make space for these pastures, the large numbers of emerging adult beetles end up being concentrated on the smaller number of trees, which then results in higher rates of defoliation. So then these beetles will be looking at the um, at like eucalyptus plantations that people have planted and being like, my, 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 what a tasty little farm we have over here. Uh, so this can make for, oh, and then this then results in higher rates of defoliation um, than would happen in an undisturbed habitat. So this can make it a tricky problem to solve, since human-caused imbalances are often a little complicated, since we can't always take large areas of land and revert them back to what they were, because people in cities would likely have issues with doing that. And while that would really, you know, solve the issue, there are other ways that we can work on solving the issue, and one of those is to help take advantage of plant biology, and one thing that I do find interesting with a lot of this is that most research on minimizing the impacts, mostly on uh, tree plantations, focuses a lot more on taking advantage of plant chemistry instead of using, uh, or instead of hyping up the pesticide usage. So like in the case I uh, talked about earlier with the selective abrivery of Christmas beetles with the terpenoids, they focused on looking at different levels of terpenoids in the leaves, since uh, higher concentrations can decrease the susceptibility of a leaf to being eaten. So if you can see which leaves are least susceptible, then you can work on uh, really breeding the trees to have the levels of terpenoids you need in order to minimize the effect of the beetles. But if you do live somewhere with Christmas beetles, there are some things you can do to support your local Christmas beetle population, and one of those could be just planting some little happy trees for them. But if you do have some trees with Christmas beetles in them, you don't need to spray them with pesticides. Instead, you can really just knock them out of the trees with some water and relocate them somewhere else. While they do like their leaves, apparently, if you kind of jostle them a little bit, they just fall out of the tree. So you really don't have to do much. <laughs> To, uh, to get them out of your tree if there's a plant you don't want them eating. And while they do need a wet season in the springtime to support larvae growth and then adult emergence, you do want to avoid overwatering your yard or garden too much over winter. Overwatering leaves the soil waterlogged and can drown the poor little baby beetles. So overall, just remember that these are gentle beetles that only really deserve a gentle pet and some good leaves to munch on. So some plant some trees, pet a beetle, have a good Christmas.
Thank you for listening to today's episode, and be sure to tune in to next week's episode. Please rate and review on iTunes and Podbean, and you can also find me on Amazon Music and Audible. There are now a couple of options to help support this podcast. Please share us with somebody you know that could use some more fun animal facts in their life, which is definitely everybody, and with some exciting new episodes coming up, and with the holidays coming up, you'll be able to give yourself and your friends some new animal facts to share around. And then you can also become a patron on Patreon. You can find the link for that in the description of this episode. And you can also find the podcast on Instagram now. So give me a follow at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod. And if you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send it on in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com. Audio editing and recording is done by me, Olivia Strait. Intro music created by Kaylee Strait. Thank you for listening.